It's Thursday, August 27th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Last night at the Trump is Great TV commercial, a quote Laura Trump attributed to Abraham Lincoln turned out to actually be a random meme found online and not written by Lincoln. It makes sense that a Trump can't identify a real presidential quote since they're also pretty bad at identifying a real president. In his keynote speech, Vice President Mike Pence said, quote, the hard truth is you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. Well, if I don't have to Lysol myself every time I come home, I'm willing to take a shot at finding out. Jimmy Stewart's daughter took exception to RNC speaker Natalie Harps comparing Donald Trump to George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. To be fair, most of us would prefer to live in a reality where Trump has never been born. In order to convince women to vote for the president, Kellyanne Conway claimed that he is a champion of women's rights. If the speech doesn't grab the ladies, well, we know the only other way Trump knows how to do it. Uh, NBA teams were praised for boycotting yesterday's playoff games in order to bring awareness to police violence towards people of color. The Knicks were quick to complain that they haven't played in a single playoff game in over a decade and no one seems to be thanking them. Yesterday, to celebrate his birthday, Macaulay Culkin tweeted, Wanna feel old? I'm 40. Wow, Macaulay is 40 years old. That means it took 30 years for him to go from home alone to where are they now? The judge in Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's divorce proceedings will not recuse himself after Jolie claimed that he should step down due to bias. Can you imagine that with all the judges out there, they actually got the only one who liked Brad Pitt and Ad Astra? The Masked Singer celebrity judges Kim, Ken Jeong, Nicole Scherzinger, Robin Thicke, and Jenny McCarthy are reportedly all quarantining prior to filming the show's upcoming fourth season. This seems like overkill considering that all the people they'll be judging will already be wearing masks. Send the title. Selena Gomez shocked her Instagram fans after posting her first bikini pinup photo in almost a year and a half. Who knew that swimsuits were now equal to relevance? This morning, ABC announced that The Bachelorette is going to premiere on October 13th. With the show currently in production, we're wondering if VD is the only thing the contestants might test positive for this season. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and I just want to say that I'm so happy to be with you tonight and not in DC at the COVID super spreader event of the year. Let's say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or their streaming service of their choice. Let's start with my TMI Hollywood family here. Pete, go ahead. All things considered, I'd rather be bowling. Okay, <laughs> Joe. Hi everybody, and uh, happy International Mai Tai Day. Have yourself a Mai Tai. Hmm. Jess. Hey, I'm also happy not to be at super spreader events in Wisconsin. Oh, Emma. Hey, y'all. Remember when you could get sick from regular conventions instead? Yeah. <laughs> um, Shana. Uh, hello and welcome. And Chris. Hello, everyone. Okay, so let's get started. We will be getting to our main topic tonight about the future of the auto industry later in the hour. For now, we're going to switch things up a bit and we're going to start with just one question where we take some of the topics we covered at the top of the show and I ask you one question about them. This morning on Fox and Friends, the White House's outgoing senior advisor, Kellyanne Conway, was asked if the president was going to respond to the protests in Wisconsin in his speech tonight and she said, quote, the more chaos and anarchy and vandalism and violence reigns, the better it is for the very clear choice of who's best on public safety and law and order. My question is, do you agree with her that the more American pro Americans protest injustice, the better it is for Trump's reelection? Who wants to start? Joe. 
hey, we're, we're protesting that injustice during his current presidency. So maybe he's not doing anything right now. Just say it. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> Pete? Well, I know I'm going to get attacked for this uh, like I did the other day, but a big percentage of the country is really, really stupid. They just are. And, and because of that, he's going to keep saying that, oh, this is only going to happen, um, you know, in, in democratic cities and in, you know, in, in democratic administrations. And so, you know, yeah, he's the only one who can help people. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to believe him. Like um, two nights ago or last night, Pence actually um, brought up a, a cop that had been killed during uh, protests um, back in St. Louis a couple of months, no, I'm sorry, a couple of months ago back in Arizona. Um, and But he forgot to mention that it was actually, he was killed by an alt-right um, militia guy. But that part wasn't really that important. So yeah, I mean, this is what they think is going to help and it, it very well might. Well, it's also one of those things too, because uh, like what I'm seeing, like it's, it's it, it like, okay, so we're looking at the situation that's happening and uh, like, you know, everybody knows about the the 17 year old kid who killed two people and, and, and injured a few more. But it's also I think it could help his campaign because it seems like there seems to be two different pieces of information. You got people that at least friends of mine that I see who are you know, not necessarily I wouldn't say right wing, but kind of more towards that leaning. And the the consensus is that that kid should go free because he was only defending himself. And then you got people who are more on the left who are like, what are you talking about? This kid clearly went out there, started some shit, some shit started, and he killed two people and he should be in jail. So uh, I think it can help his campaign because you obviously see people who see two different scenarios happening in just that one incident. And so if you're seeing it in in that incident, you're probably seeing the protests that are happening in a different light as well. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have a question for you guys. Um, and I do agree with what you're saying, Chris. I have, you know, Pete and I have been talking about this, that, you know, in some weird way, it would help him. I hate to say it, but I'm, you know, being honest. Um, so what do you think that people that feel that this is going to help Trump, what is he going to do different that he's not that he's not doing now while all this is happening? I mean, this is happening under Trump America. So what do these people think is going to happen if he gets four more years, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking a question. Like, what do you guys think about that? So are we assuming that this is be- like that the civil unrest is because of Donald Trump? Or- um, I'm not, no, I'm just saying this is happening under Donald Trump. So every, you know, all his supporters and everybody at the RNC was pretty much, you know, fear mongering and cause that's what they were doing. Then, you know, you don't want this, you know, we invited as America. So what I'm saying is if let's say he gets reelected. Okay. Let's just say, and I, I just said it. So what is he, what do you guys think he's going to do differently? Or what do you think these people think he's going to do differently that he's not doing now? He's going to do absolutely nothing differently. He's not going to do anything differently. It's the same way. He's not going to do anything with healthcare. He's just going to say, oh, well, like two weeks from now, we're going to put out a healthcare plan. He said that they, I was, I was reading this two days ago. He said, we're going to put out a healthcare plan within two weeks, six times since he, he's been president. And he said two weeks, each one of those times, which is amazing. He's going to do absolutely nothing about it because he doesn't do anything about anything. So, you know, so and, is it up to the, so if, if we had a democratic president, would it be up to them to solve the civil unrest in the, no, no, see, just, because that's, that people that's, were complaining about that. About, here's the thing is this, this isn't a, a, a well, the question was, what is he going to do about the civil unrest? Right. That's what Veronica well, asked. So, so I'm wondering, is it the president's job to deal with unrest at a local level? And if well, it is, he, then... he can he can be a forebearer for it. He can he can kind of come out and, and try and calm people by saying the right thing instead of like on the, on the day that that, that that all this happens. He's attacking the, the NBA uh, versus actually he saying anything about the, the, systemic the, racism yeah. is an issue in our country, which he still hasn't done. I mean, that's one thing he could do. And that's why I'm asking, you know, what is he going to, because according to his people, you know, oh, we have to reelect him because he's going to do something about these problems. So what is, you know, like what I'm saying is, again, and I'm not not trying to be confrontational with any of you. What is he going to do that he hasn't done now? I mean, he's not, is he capable of doing, you know, being more humane or or stepping up and saying, Well, I think that's the question, Veronica, that most African-American voters are asking of both of these candidates. What are you going to do for us? Because right now, 
you want our, both parties want our vote really bad, mm-hmm. but what are you going to do for us exactly. as a, as a people? Mm-hmm. And neither, neither, neither group has said anything about that really about what's really going to change about what's really going to happen, because that's, that's the motivating factor for young people and for the people of color who are tired of fighting. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting out there what some people that I know of who are African-American people who are looking that you're, that we talk about this percentage of people who aren't, I mean, there's a lot of people who are thinking that they're not going to vote at all because neither, neither group has Mm -hmm. said what they're going to actually do for black people, you know? I mean, because that's the truth is that, I mean, if, if he wins, Chris and I, I mean, we can't hide who we are. <laughs> you know, we can't choose to, I mean, the only other thing we can do is not go out. And that'll, that'll be the only way that we, we will be guaranteed safety. If that's, if that's what it maybe. comes down to. Maybe. I mean, and, and exactly. And maybe because that, that guy was killed in his house. He was killed in his house, in his own house. So that's my point is that it's like, we aren't guaranteed our safety in anybody's America right now until there's some kind of statement put forward by either, you know, or some kind of contract or something needs to be done. I mean, that's the problem that we're in. And I don't think Donald Trump is going to do that. He's never, he's never moved forward in terms of working for any BIPOC. He's, that's never been his MO in the history of Donald Trump. He's not interested in that. In fact, he's ha- it's the opposite. He's been sued for being against them. Yeah. I mean, to me, you, you, you know, Jess, you, you said the thing about, well, what, what would a Democratic president do different than, than a Republican president? And I'm going to say the honest truth. I don't know if they're going to do anything different. What I, what I do know is that if you look at eight years that Obama was president, and, and, and I'm going to say this straight up, there, there was just as much racial injustice as there is during Trump's time, maybe in some ways more. But other than Ferguson, which was which was one of the only times when I think that things boiled out over over to the point where, you know, you had to bring in National Guard, and, you know, and really and there was really like a sense that the, things were being handled very poorly. All the other times. I don't think that when Tra- with the Trayvon Trayvon Martin um, situation and and some of the other terrible things that did happen, there was nobody at the top that was going to light the keg to make it worse. And there was so, also and not I, a pandemic and people being paid yeah, like to stay there, home there, or forced there, to stay home. A, you know, there, there, there's a whole lot of extenuating circumstances that you that could point for just you know c- civil unrest in general without police brutality. Like people are. People are sick of the lockdowns and frustrated and worried and scared about COVID. So there's a lot of extra stuff on top of it. I mean, yeah, that so can also act as a catalyst. They can walk through a public street with armed rifles and shoot at people in the middle. Yeah, of that's 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 the, the thing that scares me. It's that if you watch that video from last night, that kid shot somebody in the head, got up. And walk towards police and walk officers. Towards the police. And 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 they they didn't. Did they have some water too? Yeah, well, no, that was earlier. Water. That was they that was earlier water. in the evening. Oh, that was earlier but but water. no, he walked up to the window of a police car, and and they did nothing to him. I, I mean, you know what? Say what you will about Los Angeles, but I don't care what color you are. If you walk within twenty yards of a police car with a, with an automatic rifle on, on your on your hip, you're going to get shot. With I mean, guns. it doesn't matter who you guns, are. Three guns, Peter. He had three guns on him. It wasn't but, but you had one I know, big but I'm one. I'm just saying. <laughs> It was three. Well, he was armed to the teeth, really. You see the, three guns on him walking towards police. Did you guys see the video breakdown from New York Times that showed, like, he was attacked, so he yeah, defended he himself. And then yeah. the second time he was attacked, so the second person he shot as he was fleeing the mob had a pistol. So, I mean, it's not like this guy just decided to just shoot up a crowd. So just be fair about what actually happened. He Should did, he have, but you also got to look at it in the sense of like he walked out there with three guns. So what was right. he going to do? No, of course. <laughs> Just like oh, no. I totally from, agree with you, Chris. He came from another state. It's not like he exactly. was in and he drove there. his own I property agree. or something like that. He came yeah. in from another state with three he guns. Was, he, wanted, he was looking for trouble. Yeah, um, for sure. Just yeah. like a lot of those. also underage. Like yeah, he's, he's too young to have a gun. He's, he illegally yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. 17. And then he took illegal guns over state lines, which is like doubly... Uh, so like there are 
there are many problems and maybe he did feel like he was acting in self-defense, but there is no 17 year old who can be trusted to know what self-defense is. Yeah, and then, except those and then that just turned eighteen and are in the military carrying home, automatic weapons. Their parents assigned. Well, that's yeah. a whole that's a whole other argument. No, that's, a whole other like, topic, so. that's a whole other argument because you can be eighteen with a, with an assault rifle, but you can't uh, you can't drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think also, you know, for me, like you know, like Jesse was saying, you know, well, what's a democratic president going to do? And again, and I agree with Pete, you know, probably not, you know, not much. But at least, and this is my own personal opinion, I think with Trump being out of office, I'm not saying that white supremacists don't exist in this country. Of course, we know they exist. And, you know, we'd be very ignorant to say, oh, we didn't know there were so much, you know, white supremacists. I just want them to go back in hiding again and just go bury yourself. Don't flaunt it like, like, like he's given them this platform to do so. That's what I want to see. I just, you know what, I don't want to see any more people chanting, you know, the Jews will not replace us. I mean, I don't want to see that. I don't, you know, and I think with Trump being out of office, that'll be one good thing that we won't have to see as much. Now, how are we ever going to get better? I mean, how are we ever going to get better as a country if we don't, if we don't acknowledge and embrace it? Because if we don't, then we're, we're going to just stay here because that's the thing is that it's open now. We know it's out there. Everybody's out there. Everybody's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not just one side that's out there, alt-right and the alt-left. They're all out there. Yeah. So it's like, we have to deal with it now. It's not, it's no, it's no longer a, we, people can go back into hiding either side. It's like, it's contentious. It's, it's, it can potentially become gangrene gangrenous if yeah. we don't fix it. And he's not just he's not gonna do anything to fix it. I mean, I'm sorry, he's not going to if he hasn't done anything now. What well, is he to answer your original next? question? If you're saying like what do you, what do you what does his followers think that he's gonna do any different or better? Well, if they don't see a problem with what's going on, then he's They're already not gonna do anything. Seventy percent of them said that uh, that 170,000 people being dead was an acceptable loss. In, in, a, in a survey that came out on Monday. I so, saw that I, survey I mean, too. Yeah, that's yeah, misleading. Mean, how's it misleading? If, if they asked the question, I saw the que- the question was, you, you know, there's been this many deaths in the country. I, I don't remember what the exact number was, but it was roughly between 160 and 170 at the time. Do you think that the White House's response has been has been adequate and th- and that the amount of deaths that were caused by this was acceptable based on on their response and 70% said yes so yeah. I, I mean if if they if they can't even see that's a problem then well, then no. i can't imagine that, that shooting shooting a black that, man in the back seven times is going to be that big a deal to them i don't yes, believe that anybody thinking? thinks that i don't I, because i don't i honestly don't believe that anybody believes that that many deaths are acceptable because like people will say like no death is acceptable right like one death from COVID is too much but you go given like given the circumstances like are we doing a good job is it acceptable is one percent acceptable maybe it is to people you know I mean I I think I think it's misleading to think that those people are like yeah fuck it 170,000 people who cares yeah well I mean clearly numbers things like there's literally millions and then you compare it to 100,000 like yeah nobody wants to see anybody die but if you look at it as I guess if looking at the numbers like it's not acceptable but it's not like it's not like half the population was wiped out you know what I mean that's different I don't understand how one percent of the population death is acceptable but 0.0005 percent of possible voter fraud is not and that's why we can't but, mail our ballots. I agree. I We're agree talking about Joe. numbers. <laughs> I agree, Joe. <laughs> one thing I one thing I want to understand is that is that what Jess, what you're saying is that maybe it's misleading, or maybe that none of them think that 170,000 deaths, or a lot of them don't think 170,000 deaths is acceptable. Is there even the possibility that there's that, that they don't believe 170,000 deaths are, are are acceptable? But I mean, assume that assume they wait, do wait, believe that. Let me that. finish. Let me finish. Let, let me finish. Let's say that they don't believe 170,000 deaths are, are acceptable, but they want to see Trump get reelected, and they know that 170,000 deaths sounds really bad for a guy trying to get reelected. So instead of saying what they really believe, they're saying what they need to say in order to make it look like Trump hasn't done anything wrong. I, I mean, is that a possibility? I, I guess let's just assume it is. And these are bad people. What are we going to do about it? 
Well, like, like, you know, what not, are we going to do? We got to live bad, with them, right? They're, they're not bad people. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just people that are accepting an ideology that doesn't that that, that doesn't jive with most of the country. And 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 you know, when, when we were talking about, well, what is he going to do different? Well, I don't. Again, I don't know if either one of them is going to do anything different, which which is terrible. But what I do know is. If, if you have if you have your finger in, in plugging a hole in a dam and there's a fire at the same time in the, on that same dam, well, there's your problem. Well, let's just let's just have one problem as opposed to having two problems. And right now it's like you have the, the systemic racism problem and then you have a, a guy at the top that's amplifying it. So thank so God dams are problems. built out of concrete. <laughs> Well, okay, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. Okay. So let's move on. Angelina Jolie unsuccessfully tried to get the judge in her divorce case with Brad Pitt to recuse himself because he has a business relationship with Pitt's attorney. My question to you is, considering that they are both richer than they could possibly be, what could Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt possibly be fighting for? over possibly be fighting over excuse me in a divorce oh custody. not those kids oh, no, I, I no way really no no he's custody? getting he's yeah, getting no, new like, ass right now the last thing he cares about is kids no no <laughs> i think it i think it totally is because i think that they they have uh i think that they have issues with uh their children how they're being raised and things like that i think that mm-hmm. that would definitely be some of that joe i just want to say that i think that she's right if the judge has a business relationship with yeah. one of the with, with 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 Brad, then he should he should he should have never yeah, he, went in. He should have recruited. He does. He doesn't have a business relationship. Before it ever started, he, he should never he have a, even been. He should never even accepted it. With the uh, yeah, uh, so I agree with her on this. I think you you lawyer. have to have a neutral party on this. Wait, can you clarify that, a, Pete? Do they have a business? Yeah, he had no. He has he had a business relationship with Brad Pitt's lawyer in 2014. Uh, oh, so, his lawyer, I mean, who, who's his lawyer now, that's still, he needs to recuse, recuse himself. So I agree with her on that. Wait, are they still in business together? This was just before. I, I don't know. I know it was in 2014. They did some kind of business deal together. Yeah, because that's a little harder than, because like if, st- if they're still currently in business, then I'm totally with There's you. There's plenty of judges. There's plenty of judges that have no no ties or connections to it. No, so I, think, I think she's still in the right on that. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I kind of, I thought, I kind of feel like the judge is kind of, you know, if he's not, you know, if he doesn't recuse himself, he's kind of leaving it open because then they could, you know, go through this shit all over. Uh huh. Right. Right. Which is, is, I'm pretty sure that she just doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we have, yeah, we have a shot like three or four times instead of, you know, because it's somebody, you know, too too close to for comfort. So. So people on social media are falling all over themselves with excitement over Selena Gomez's Instagram photo today in a bikini, which is the first time she's done this since 2019. My question is, why does it always seem that when a young female celebrity isn't in the news for a while, they have to do something like this to get attention? Because sex sells. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, sex sells, and everybody loves boobs. Whether you're gay or straight, everybody loves boobs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Women love boobs. Men love boobs. We all love boobs, and boobs are nice to look at. And pretty boobs are even better to look at. And if someone's pretty and has pretty boobs, and everybody will look at them, whether they're male or female, it doesn't really matter. Everybody's like, yeah, they're pretty boobs. I'll look at them. You should you should make shirts that say that, Shayna, and copyright it. <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, like, how how else is she supposed to promote herself right now? Any celebrity, their entire career, like, their entire income comes from how many people follow what they do. And she can't, like, create or release that much new music at home. Uh, She might have a home studio, but, like, maybe change other musicians. Like, there's all kinds of things that go into it. Um, You know. I don't know. Other artists. She can take selfies. She can take selfies at her pool. Yeah. Exactly. Remind you of who she is. Mm-hmm. In a way, you know, there's some stars out there who are still filming movies. There's a lot of uh, music, musical artists that are still putting out songs and making music videos. So, I mean, like, well, I'm not great for them. the only way, but like, you know, it's not a bad way, I guess. It's not, I mean, that's great for the people who can do it, but there are so many reasons why she might not be able to. That's fair. Get her back in the public eye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pete, I think you're muted. Are you talking? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> coming from inside the house I, was I, I, just like, yeah. I just think it's I just think it's bizarre that that um 
that like she puts up a couple of pictures of herself in a bikini and all of a sudden it's it's news because because it was on like six different sites because she hasn't got a bikini photo since february of 2019 and it's like that just to me you know, I, I mean, there used to be a time when when people actually had to be talented at something to, to get to get noticed, and now now you no, literally no, <laughs> that's not true at all. That's not true at all. We've always had, uh, uh, we've always had this person, uh, male or female, that was basically just they they look good and people fawned all over them, and I shouldn't say that more because she's she's sounded she's put out records and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I disagree with you on that, and also. Listen, if she has no problem with it and she's comfortable with it and she wants to go ahead and do it, then hey, best for her, man. I'm all, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna make a thing if I put a bikini pick out. So <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm definitely, I'm definitely quiet, Joe. <laughs> I'll share it. <laughs> no one does, yeah. There's gonna be there might be some stuff on social media, but it's not gonna be the same reaction. <laughs> okay, so with so with that being said, let's move on. With the coronavirus disrupting all parts of everyday life, the future of the auto industry has been a hot topic recently. Our guest tonight just wrote a very interesting article for Forbes about how COVID-19 could change the future of commuting forever. He's the executive editorial director of Kelly Blue Book and a contributing journalist for Forbes. Please welcome our guest, Jack Nearin. And I think we have Jack with us. He's coming. I think he's coming on right now. Oh, you're right connecting. Connecting to audio. Exactly. Hi, Jack. I'll can take... you hear us? Oh, he's on mute. He's got to unmute. He's coming. He's coming now. Any second now. For those of you listening, he's coming. <laughs> Any second now. In case you weren't well, clear about to be that fair, to be, to be fair, he is he is an auto expert, but it is LA, so he is kind of stuck in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. he's, here. Just, he's here, I just don't see him yet. Even during COVID. Here. Even during COVID, there's traffic. There's traffic he, in LA he, even during COVID. Here. You gotta watch him go. He's, he's here. There he is. Jack. I think you're on mute. You're muted. I, I, oh now he's now he's uh, now I'm unmuted. There oh, guys. Oh. Hi, hi, Jack. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. How about you? You seem to be having an audio problem. Okay, now I think it's better now. Okay, can you hear I, me? Okay. I can hear you fine. Can you hear you? Um, yeah, we just hear a lot of static though. There's something up with the connection. Um. Oh, because okay. I tested this too. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Technology is wonderful. Should he disconnect, Pete, and then reconnect? Um, yeah, sure. Let's give it a yeah. shot. Yeah, we're going to give it one second because when you talk, all we hear is like robot no noises. That's how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> you got a problem with that? <laughs> Not at all. You could be we're the next ready. Bond villain for sure. No way. Yes, exactly. I know what the deal is, and I need to uh, connect to a uh, microphone I'm using rather than the built-in input, so I have to find settings here somewhere on Zoom. I made the mistake. We'll just, we can just talk around you for a few seconds. Yeah, I keep keep doing it. Oh, I'm just going to set up this mic. How's everybody's day going today? Good? <laughs> It's actually very warm today. Yes, very warm. It was hotter than I expected. Yes, it, it was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that didn't help at all. There we go. Oh, that, 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 there you go. Yes. Really? Did it help? Uh, yeah. It, it, little, yes. A little bit better. Now I, I can make it a lot better. I just need to okay. find settings on this page. Go ahead. Do what you have to do. We'll we'll keep ourselves busy for a minute. Yeah, exactly. And to entertain yourselves. I know you guys can do it. <laughs> it's obvious you do it most of the time. So anybody read anything interesting recently? <laughs> I'm reading a book right now about how you uh, utilize traditional Hollywood storytelling in marketing, written by a guy who uh -huh. like worked for Pixar for 20 years or something or something like that. Uh, yeah. And it's really interesting, like using the exact same techniques that like we use for sketch and shit all the time. You can sell things wrong? for a lot of money. We should have known that before I was waitressing for years. Fun. I'm I'm reading The Handmaid's Tale. It's very good. Yes, I love very Margaret Atwood. You know, the three so seasons. Yeah, Jess, I we'll have to talk about it later. But um, 
Yeah, the book is excellent. It's very good. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read that shit when I was 16, Veronica. That's crazy. <laughs> it, so it, crazy. Ra- it totally shook my world. I had to read it for an independent English project. It was, yeah. it was hilarious. It was like, yeah, I read this whole feminist section of literature for that. Yeah, it's very well written and it's very easy to read too. I mean, it's just, I'm like, oh, I gotta oh, go yeah. to the next chapter now. I gotta go to the next chapter. So yeah, it was like flowers in the attic when I was 13. Like I just burned through that giant book. Like I loved it. Yeah. Love the drama. So Jack, are we ready? For, are you ready for us now? I guess I'm waiting for you. Can you hear me now properly or not? It's bizarre to me. I, uh, I can change what I'm doing. Um, why don't we? Uh, why don't we ch- have you disconnect and then reconnect? Maybe that'll do something. It's it's the old if it doesn't work, turn it off and turn it back on method. <laughs> Never fails. I've done it with any technology. It usually works. Oh, this, this this uses a different microphone. Is Here this we better? go. We yeah. got it. Now you sound now you sound great. All right. All right. So Jack, okay. thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for joining us. Yes, it's my pleasure. That's so good to be here. Yeah. So when you and I first connected, um, I wanted to talk to you about your podcast, America on the Road. And we're definitely going to be talking about that later on. But first we'd actually like to talk to you about your news article that was published today on Forbes.com. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously most people assume that with less places to go and less money available, consumers might be less likely to buy new cars. Your article does talk about how some people are downsizing, but what I really found interesting was the reason you gave for why some are actually going out and purchasing a car. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and it's a little frightening, actually, and it is COVID-19, very definitely. A lot of people are abandoning uh, public transportation. They're abandoning ride sharing. Uh, They're very nervous about that, and they think that little car, that little bubble, (laughs) is going to be better for them. And so especially inexpensive used cars are uh, getting very, very popular right now. They're just going up in price. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the data um, you cite is from a recent survey done by cars.com. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that survey? I can. It was a survey of about 3,000 uh, consumers, uh, and they were just looking at ride sharing, you know, just what was going on based mm-hmm. on what we've gone through, what we've all gone through, right, and how that affects transportation. And I think a lot of um, people not in the industry uh think that this has been disastrous for the car industry, uh, but it really hasn't been. I mean, there was a steep drop off in car sales in March, about March 15. I mean, it is like Niagara Falls. I mean, when you look at the sales curve, it is, you know, Mm. way, way down. Uh, But then sales started to pick up even in April. Of course, all the manufacturers uh, were putting incentives on their cars. Uh, There were governmental checks going to a lot of folks out there. Um, And a lot of people, if they were going to transport themselves in any way, shape or form, they couldn't ride share. They couldn't go on public or they decided they weren't going on public transportation. So um, the car business has been kind of just chumming right along. Mm -hmm. So I know you've been talking about um, ride sharing and the survey said that 59 percent of people are using ride sharing less. Do you think that if this pandemic stretches out to next year, maybe to like the spring, will this have a long-term effect? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it would have a long-term effect. I'm doubtful that that's going to happen, but you know, I'm just one voice out there, <laughs> you know, one reporter in the, in the field. Um, and uh, it, it will certainly have an effect, a chilling effect on people gathering if this continues. I mean, it already has, right? I mean, we're not supposed to gather. We're doing this the way we're doing this because we can't get together. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty likely going forward that uh, it would, uh, I don't know what Uber is going to do. I don't know what Lyft would do uh, if this were to continue another six, eight months. Okay, I have a couple more questions before I open it up to the panel. Um, what types of cars are seeing the benefit of pandemic buying? Well, as I mentioned, you know, inexpensive used cars are probably the, the biggest one. I mean, people who are looking to get off the bus and uh, off the subway and 
ride, drive in a car, I mean, they're going to look for an inexpensive used car. So uh, we've seen prices of those used cars go up and up and up. I mean, the wholesale prices, retail prices, it's, it's been kind of a boom for used car buyers or used car sellers, actually, uh, not buyers so much. Uh, and then there's been incentives on pretty much everything. Uh, this has been a great time to buy a car. You know, a lot of us are, the last thing we're thinking about is buying a car. But there are a lot of people who uh, look to an opportunity like this when the manufacturers seem stressed and are willing to put money on cars to go out and buy one. And uh, that's had its effect. It's had a very strong effect, actually. And uh, sales are actually uh, almost uh, where they were predicted to be for this year at this point. Uh, when a lot of people were predicting that they'd be down six or seven million car sales, which mm -hmm. is a big number, big number. Okay, let's talk about your podcast, America on the Road. Okay. What compelled you to start it? Well, I had done a radio show uh, called America on the Road with a partner for 22 years. Uh, we were kind of pioneers in terms of doing a cars on the radio. Uh, Leon Kaplan was doing it here in Los Angeles and, and others, but you know, his is kind of a fix-it show. Ours is kind of a, a magazine show. And so I liked doing it. It was kind of fun. It was something that was always a secondary job to me, but uh, I'd been in radio before, oddly enough. I mean, before I, before I got in the car business, I, I did some show business stuff. And one of the things I did was write Gary Owens' uh, syndicated radio show. So I've always liked the medium of radio. Uh, I, I thought I'd have fun with it. And uh, we just decided to revive the format that seemed very, very popular. We were on 300 stations around the country. We were, uh, had something like 4 million listeners a, a week on America on the Road. So we were, you know, pretty popular. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your um, entertainment industry. that <laughs> You just talked about it right now, but... Um, anything else you want to add about your time working in the entertainment industry? Well, I, I loved it, uh, number one. I think you, you meet, uh, and you guys probably know this way better than I, but you meet the absolute best people in the world in the entertainment industry, and you probably also meet the absolute worst people in the world in the entertainment industry. There's, there's this you know, wide, wide uh, variety of folks. But the, the people you meet who are great, uh, you just love, you know, I mean, uh, how can you not love them? And they're all trying to do the same thing. And I think they're all, um, you know, trying to entertain people and, and just make people happy. Uh, you know, that isn't such a bad thing to do. Uh, I was a comedy writer. Uh, so I guess you're supposed to be making people happy. A lot of comedy writers aren't all that happy themselves, however, uh, and a lot of comedians even worse. Uh, but, um, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Can you tell us about one of your favorite people that you worked with or that you met? Well, I mean, Gary Owens was certainly one of my favorites. You know, I work with kind of a, a wide variety of people, most of whom I really liked. I worked for Dick Clark for a long time. Wow. And Dick was, uh, you know, a really interesting guy. I think Dick was most comfortable when he was on TV. He was pretty affable on TV. Uh, kind of no nonsense, though, when you were working for him. And I think, you know, a lot of folks at Showbiz are like that. You know, Dick was on national TV for 40 years straight. I mean, it's kind of amazing, especially when you look at what Dick's talents were. Because try and figure them out. <laughs> I mean, he didn't sing. He didn't dance. He didn't tell jokes. He, he was just on TV. He was a great host on TV. And he understood what his talent was. And then he just milked it. He just used it and he used it and he used it. And he, he did a great job. He was an incredible broadcaster, I think. That's great. Okay, so I'm going to open it up to the panel. Does anybody have any questions for Jack? I'm going to start with, let's see, Joe. I think you have some questions. Hey, Joe. <laughs> I've got a bunch, but we're going to spread them out and all that. Okay, so uh, uh, Jack, by the way, it's good to see you again. I worked yes, with you many, many, many years ago over pleasure. when I was at AM. Um, so, like, Hertz went to bankruptcy. And they had to get rid of 185,000 cars out of their fleet. I do know that Avis and that Nationwide and all that, they've also had to cut their fleet just because of what's going on. Even with that huge dump of all those cars into the used car market, which is basically where most of them are going to go, we're still seeing prices going way up. I mean, they seem like the kind of car that... Yeah, I mean, they are going up. But of course, when you talk about the used car market, about 40 million used cars are sold each year. 40 million. So 185,000, that sounds like a lot to you and me. It's a lot of cars. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but in a $40 million 
ocean of cars, it's not that much. And it's kind of a very narrow range of cars. Those cars are all, uh, you know, like 2018 to 2020s, many with many more miles on them than those cars would typically have because they were in rental car service. So it's kind of an idiosyncratic thing, uh, but it's having its effect, certainly. Okay, um, anybody else? A uh, Pete. Hi, Jack. Hey. Um, I, I wanted to ask, uh, we obviously are all in a market that's very car oriented because Los Angeles, you, you can't be uh, somebody living in Los Angeles unless you have availability to, to some kind of vehicle, whether it be your own or a share ride. Uh, so I'm wondering, has, has the market, I mean, I don't know if there's any, even any data for this, but is there any data that shows that areas that are more dependent on cars um, are still buying um, in the same volume that they were prior or, uh, is, or does that just not exist? No, it actually does exist. It's a really good question. Uh, and a, a lot of it has to do not so much with how car oriented or non-car oriented a place is, but how tight the lockdown was <laughs> and how oh, tight yeah. the lockdown still is. Uh, it was especially true, of course, when there were lockdowns and when you, you literally could not go into a dealership in, in a lot of states uh, for weeks at a time. And so the only cars being sold were being sold online or kind of clandestinely you know, behind the dealership somewhere. Um, and now that that's changed, it's, it's different. Uh, and, but there's still a lot of online buying. I think what is really done is kicked up online buying more than anything else. And, uh, as to what's going on in Los Angeles, this market has been pretty, pretty strong and uh, continues to be. Do you think that uh, Carvana and that those types of brands, do you think that that will be auto buying in the future or do, do you think the dealership will fade away? Uh, well, interestingly, Carvana is a dealership. They're a used car right. dealership. They just operate in a different way. Uh, there are basic laws in, in virtually every state that protect car dealers. You know, the only, the only kind of, um, you have to be a licensed car dealer to sell cars, sell more than, typically it's like five or 10 cars, no matter what. So Carvana, Shift, uh, Vroom, you know, those online sources of used cars, uh, they've gone great guns during the pandemic. Uh, they are a, a real viable way to buy a car and I think gaining in popularity every minute. Uh, will they displace dealers? I don't think so. I think dealers are going to be uh, savvy enough to go, we have to combat this some way. And, it, you know, it's like everything else. When you see competition from somewhere, you either respond to it or you die, right? So right. I think that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I have another question for you. What advice can you give to a first-time car buyer? Like things to look for or, well, yeah. There's a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, I worked for Kelly Blue Book for 15 years. There's a lot of great third-party websites out there. Uh, Driving Today is a, a site that I write for frequently now. Um, you know, America on the Road, for that matter. It gives me pretty good car buying advice. But there's a lot of resources out there. You can gain a lot of knowledge just while you're sitting there on your phone or, you know, sitting at your desktop or whatever. Uh, and that's probably the best thing to do. Um, it's interesting you ask the question because uh, the uh, the podcast that I just put together this afternoon is an interview with a guy from Mercury Insurance talking uh, about first time buyers and what insurance costs would that they should pay attention to that when you're buying your first car uh, because a lot of people don't pay any attention to that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go out and buy something and then they realize, oh, <laughs> it's going to cost me a ton to insure. Uh, and that's going to be a bad thing. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Joe. Uh, Jack, like, um, like in Norway, uh, you get an electric car, you don't have to pay taxes. Germany has just jumped in like both feet right in. They just passed a law where uh, like a month or so ago, where every single gas station has to have a power, uh, uh, like a charging station uh, mm -hmm. with it. And uh, so uh, and I see a lot of other countries in Europe that are kind of going whole hog on the electrics. Do you think that America will be able to do that? Or do you think that we're still kind of uh, like under the thumb of, of oil companies? Or do you think that we'd be able to do that one day? Well, I, it, it depends on what we want to do. <laughs> uh, and it depends on where the market takes you, really, because electric cars are, 
I think electric cars are terrific. You know, I love driving electric cars. You've undoubtedly driven a lot of electric cars and you know how great they are to drive. Oh yeah, I wish I could have one, but I can't because I live in a building in LA. Right. So I exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> even even if there were charging stations everywhere, it would still be fairly inconvenient to do, given the current state of the technology. Right. Now, if the batteries could be charged about as quickly as you can fill fill up your tank with gas or something like that, then the whole thing changes. And and so that's the goal. And I think we're going to get there. I really do. I we're not there now. And a big difficulty with uh, electrics is just the price of the batteries. They're really expensive. Tesla can get by with it because, number one, Tesla doesn't make any money selling cars. Uh, but, but number two, they're a luxury car brand, and they charge a lot for their vehicles. But if you want a vehicle the size of a Mazda 6, but you're going to pay four times what you pay for a Mazda 6 or Honda Accord, which is what you're doing when you're buying a, a Tesla Model S, um, that's a different story. Not everybody can do that and wants to. Well, if you do, you know, buy a used one because it looks the same and no one's going to know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they've done a miraculous job of keeping people interested in a car that is <laughs> way old now. Right? Yeah, it hasn't changed since what, 2012, 2013? Yeah, something like yeah, that. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Chris. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to ask, like, if, if someone is going to buy a new car, not a used car, if they're going to buy a new car right now in this market, what would you recommend? Well, it, it, a lot of things uh, have to be taken into account before you do it. Uh, what you want to spend, how, what you can afford to spend. There's a, it's a great time to buy a new car because there are a lot of incentives on cars out there. So if you do some research, it, it's a pretty good time to buy. This is a tricky time of year, though, to buy a car. And I'll tell you why. You know, people come up to the end of the model year and they think, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a great deal here and get a big discount. What they're not grasping is that car is going to be a year old in a matter of a few days, right? Because the 2021s will be out and the 2020 will be a year old. Uh, now, you might have just taken a uh, delivery of it and you love it and it's new. And if you're going to keep it a long time, it really doesn't matter. But if you're going to trade that car in in three years or if you're going to lease it, you might, you might be better off to lease a 2021 than a 2020 at this time of year because of the depreciation and stuff. So. It's a complicated thing, and uh, you know, I, I I could give you a simple answer: go go buy a Honda Accord, <laughs> which isn't a bad bad thing to do. Uh, but there's uh, just so many so much choice out there. It's just a, it's but it's a great time to buy a car. Oh, I had a quick, quick question, Pete. Really quick, um, it's a personal question for me. Um, what's your opinion on Audis? <laughs> because I just switched to an Audi two, uh, two years ago, and I absolutely love it. I love Audis. I really do. Uh, all Audis I like. Uh, you know, the, the A3 is actually kind of one of my personal favorites. Uh, but uh, I, I just, I like their exterior styling. I like the ergonomics, you know, how they work inside, how the buttons work and, uh, you know, all the controls and that kind of stuff. I just think that they're a very well-tailored car. So I like them a lot. I have a, good, good I, have choice. A, I have an A3 with cloth. It's called a Jetta. <laughs> there you go. There's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Yeah. I have the little Q3. My daughter has one of those too. <laughs> I like the little crossover um, SUV because, you know, I'm too short. So I was like, I don't know if I want an SUV, but like it's like a little mini SUV. So I love my Q3. But oh, yeah. Q3 is cool. Yeah. Well, you've just got a tall A3. That's yeah. All. There you go. Pete, <laughs> you had a question. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, we've been hearing a lot about how the, the uh, airline industry is probably not going to come back strongly for quite a while. Uh, and so I'm wondering, regardless of who ends up in the White House in January, do you think at any point the government is going to incentivize the, the auto industry to try and get more, you know, them to put out more deals in order to try and get more people buying cars, which will obviously juice the economy? Well, I, in some ways, they've kind of already, they haven't uh, incentivized the industry, but they've incentivized the consumer by sending out checks to, you know, a, a whole lot of people, millions of people, right? Uh, and keeping the economy going in a way that I think a lot of people didn't think would ever happen, uh, you know, given the scale of this tragedy that we're, we've confronted uh, and are continue to confront. Um, like I, I told you, though, the auto industry is actually going pretty well. Uh, it, you know, it's the hospitality industry and the airlines, you know, the rental car companies, they've fallen off the cliff. Uh, and I don't think... Um, 
the remedy is there for them soon. But in some ways, if you're going to take any kind of trip these days, a lot of people are not getting on an airplane and they're getting in their car instead. Yeah. And so that helps the car industry, certainly. That actually, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to monopolize, uh, but um, that, as a car guy, how do you feel about the, uh, the return of the drive-ins? Uh, and do you think it's going to be something that might last for a while, uh, you know, even after the pandemic? You know, I, I love drive-in movies. I'm old enough to where I grew up with drive-in movies. And, you know, I, I grew up in kind of an American graffiti uh, kind of life. Um, and uh, we used to go to the Route 66 drive-in uh, right, right in my, my hometown. So I have a special affinity for drive-ins. I think it's cool that they're back. I don't think drive-ins are a very good place to watch a movie. Uh, and they're not very convenient. And there's a lot of, you know, strange things about them. Uh, at the same time, there's just something wonderful about them, you know, something Americana about them that, uh, you know, I absolutely love. Do you have a final question for, uh, go ahead, Joe. Uh, Jack, um, do you think uh, there's going to be a few companies that aren't going to be around by the end of next year? I'm thinking one of the ones I'm thinking is maybe Infinity. Um, are there going to be some nameplates that aren't going to survive? Well, maybe. Uh, it's really expensive for a car company if a car company just totally went away or left this market for good but infinity is part of nissan so right. nissan, nissan would have a difficult time unfolding infinity which is why i think infinity is, is still with us right i think they've determined it would be more expensive to try and undo it than keep it going um and i think we see that with some other brands too once you have franchise dealers out there, then those franchise dealers who've invested a lot of money in a particular brand will sue that brand <laughs> if, right. the, if, if the brand says, okay, we're done now, you know, and then, so there's a, a lot of potential litigation that could happen and probably going to present, prevent some brands that you would think don't have a place from leaving. Okay. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have your podcast information up on our social media. So for anybody that wants to listen and come back anytime. <laughs> Super. Really I, you know, it's so fun to talk to all you guys. I, I, thanks so much for the good questions. And, uh, you know, I look forward to plugging your show uh, on my show. And uh, so thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, thank, thank you so Jack. much for joining us. <laughs> we'll talk soon. I hope so. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was very great. That was great information. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yesterday's guest, Tom Dangora, was so amazing that his time with us took up the entire show. So we didn't get to wish Macaulay Culkin a happy 40th birthday. That being said, Macaulay was a star of one of the biggest movies of all time, Home Alone, and then a lot of less memorable projects. Can you think of any other actors that are almost completely defined by one role that they played? I just have to say that Macaulay Culkin did a great movie called, was it The Good Son? Yes. Where he's played yeah, that, that was like literally right after. Yeah, uh, I mean that was a great movie. So but I, mean, I also love Save. I mean that was the first movie he made, Saved with Mandy Moore. Yeah, that that was great. That was like his first, you know, adult. Mm-hmm. Oh, an adult film. <laughs> Didn't he do the one with where he died from the bee sting? What was oh, that yeah, one? My girl. Oh yeah, my girl. Thomas J. He played Thomas J. That was my Macaulay pick. I thought he was. And that better. movie made him cry like a baby. Oh my god! He, he, also, did, he also did Party Monster, which was about uh, Peter's former industry. Yeah, Mike, Michael Alec. That's <laughs> about my, my friend Angel's murder. Chris, were you going to yeah. say something? I was saying like The Good Son is a good movie, but he that's like it, that was one of those movies where he you know as an actor personally I think he did that too soon as a career because he was still mm. the home alone kid, and that's the kind of movie you do as an actor to break out of like the role of. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's very interesting, but it makes sense. Yeah. So like, it was hard for him to really develop a career as an adult. Like, he did do some movies. I'm saying he didn't do anything, but like, it's a little bit harder when you don't do like that breakout movie. At, you know, when you're older, instead of doing it like literally right after Home Alone. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? Anymore after he like kills a cat with a bolt gun. Yeah. Not Home Alone. Crazy movie. That, <laughs> was it Henry in the movie too? I, I remember the name was like Henry or something. Yes, yeah. but the kid that he's torturing in that too is Elijah Wood, right? It's Elijah yeah. Wood. Yes, he was in it. <laughs> yes. 
So can anybody the child actor who it did work out for me, <laughs> he transitioned quite well. That's the funny thing though, because because I was trying to like when I when I came up with that question, I was trying to think of somebody else that's so defined by one part. And, and I mean, and obviously you could you you could say certain people have been you know have, have have one part that everybody knows them for, like like a Michael J. Fox for Marty McFly or somebody like that. But they did other things that that you that are really memorable. But but I couldn't think of one person that that like when you think Home Alone, you or you think of Macaulay Culkin, you immediately think Home Alone. I mean, we could go through all these other movies and say you know the the, the Good Son and, and and I mean like I, that movie Bully I, that was interesting and Party Monster. But when you say Macaulay Culkin, everybody immediately thinks Home Alone. Well, wait, so is it, is it just movies? Well, I mean, I, I kind of started I, because I'll really make the argument. I'll make the argument for for Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy actually had to become a director. Yeah. Because Leonard Nimoy is instantly Spock, and he, there, there was no way around it. I mean, so uh, and and even at a point where he was doing guest spots on other shows, as you know, and everyone would call him Spock. So. Well, it, it definitely seems like it's easier if you're on television to kind of get defined by a part, especially because you know you could play a part and be on that in that part for ten years. Uh, you know, I mean, it's or, or like <laughs> that's the with, thing was he that. wasn't he wasn't no, but, but was not he was because for, they, for they two, took it from for two and a half it got canceled. Yeah, but like <laughs> you can also have the same effect with movie actors if they're in major franchises. Like, I do not think it's true of Daniel Radcliffe, but there are so many other Harry Potter kids. Yeah, like like Rupert Grint, like Rupert like, Grint is thinking Grint, of, or like Tom Felton. Yeah. Like they've done things, but you don't think of them as anything but those characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, a younger generation would even say the same thing about Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. You know, or just or one of the other Marvel guys that all they know from them from is Marvel. So, well, he might actually be a good example of it because he's done a lot of other things, but really Iron Man is the only thing that anybody really cares well, about. If a little you know, kid goes, would go running up to him, he's Tony Stark. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to go by what a little kid thinks of him. Well, I'm just but saying. I also think that like, he, they model the Iron Man so much after him, but there are so many other roles of his that are also like equally well-known. Yeah, like I'm yeah. thinking of Tropic Thunder. He's really well known for that. What yeah. about Heart and Souls? I love that movie. Yeah, he was great in that. that. What a great less, movie. less than zero. Less than less zero. Than zero. Yeah, like he was, he was playing himself zero. though. That's the yeah, problem. But I think like like I, but that's what I'm saying though. Like as older people know him from his early stuff, but I don't think that I think there's a whole a couple generations a younger generation know yeah. of any of his early stuff. You're right. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's what kind of defines him. Now you could say Sherlock Holmes. Maybe you know stuff like that, but I think still that's kind of the defining one. Like, like even when they're watching Sherlock Holmes, they're like, "Oh, look, Iron Man." So, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking, I was thinking the other day we were supposed to talk about Sean Connery because it was his 90th birthday, and and listen, Sean Connery has had an amazing career. He, he's won an Oscar, but when the minute you say Sean Connery, you immediately think James Bond. So, oh, it's, I was going to say like, Finding Forrester. I would make the argument even more though than because Sean Connery kind of did other stuff. Like I would make the argument even more for Roger Moore because mm -hmm. unless you were in England and saw the Saint, everyone Roger Moore and James Bond, and there's really nothing else that they can connect him to other than James Bond because most of his other stuff has never been that huge. Yeah. Sean so, Connery. Yeah. Could you say that about Daniel Craig too? Like I know he's done other stuff, but like. Too. You know who I, I was thinking of Jennifer Grey when I when I saw this question because I don't know what else she's really done. I mean, I always associate her with Baby Houseman. You know, well, she get, it, after she got her nose job, it's hard to tell. You know, she's like a completely different person too. That's true. Yeah, so I liked like, her. In, I liked her a lot in Red Oaks. Just nobody's seen Red Oaks. By the way, go see Red Oaks. It's on Amazon. It's really great. It's about is that the one about the land and their, and their summer job in a country yeah. club in Jersey in the 80s and it's it really kind of spoke to me <laughs> it out. i was gonna say too like it's hard because like I'm, I'm with pete man it's like hard to think about that because in a way you know uh yeah i mean besides maybe television you know what i'm saying child stars on television but like the whole like movie franchise thing where like kids having like those iconic roles kind of went away when like the like 90s maybe early 2000s like you don't really see anything like home alone mm -hmm. anymore that like really defined a kid actor's career that you could think of besides really television 
you know, like most like, you know, because you can count like on your head how many Disney stars, you know, were only known for their role, like Miley Cyrus and uh, Hillary Duff, people like that. But like yeah. in Disney, I can't really think of anybody who had like a movie franchise that was like a kid actor that that's all I could think of other than Daniel Radcliffe. But that was like oh. the last one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Daniel Radcliffe could be in 20 years. We might be looking back and saying, okay. yeah, everybody knows him for Harry Potter. I got I, it. I mean, that might be it. I so, got it. I got it. Jim Varney. Oh, <laughs> Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Most of you don't even know him as Jim Varney because you only know him as Ernest. I know. Because that's he... all he did was Ernest. Oh, yeah. I know him for his Cerritos <laughs> Auto Mall commercials. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Cerritos okay. Auto Mall, man. Are we going to go with uh, uh, fucking Ruben, uh, Paul Rubens? Are we going to do Pee Wee Herman? Is that how we go? Paul Rubens is Today's his birthday. Yeah, Today's I was going to bring birthday, that up. But he was in Buffy. I thought we were doing film. How old is Paul Rubens now? Like 70-something? 68. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's almost old enough to run for president. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like a kid. Wait, wait, but also, wait, wait. So he's white and he's a sexual offender. So he's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we have to check the uh, Epstein <laughs> flight manifest. If he's on there, he's in. That's it. Um, that. They already arrested him for masturbating in a theater, so he's good. <laughs> His thing, they were they were shitting mustard. He was he was on that long time ago. Sexual fit. That's old. That's old news. <laughs> well, with that being said, that's our show for tonight. We will see you back here again tomorrow at six p.m. for another Trump Free Friday and the stories you might have missed this week. Have a good night, everyone, and stay safe. Ruben's 2024. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a Pee Wee Herman political commentator. That would be Mm. the funniest thing.